Happy Father's Day to everybody, and hopefully all you dads are having a blessed day. That's one of the greatest titles I get to wear, uh, especially up at the school, but, but here in this neighborhood. Uh, a lot of people don't necessarily know my name, but they know me, they call me Lily's dad. Oh, you're Lily's dad, because everybody knows Lily. So you're Lily's dad, and uh, that's actually not a bad, bad title to have. A few folks call me Sophia's dad. But uh, usually those, most of the kids that are that age just call me, hey, you. So, <laughs> hey, you. <laughs> uh, how many of y'all cried? Be honest. How many of y'all cried during that, during that video? Oh, what did a tearjerker? So, and and uh, days like today, I think about my dad. It's been eight years ago since I've been able to celebrate a, a Father's Day with my dad. And, but he's, he's with the Lord, and uh, they'll, they'll, there's going to come a time that, I'll get to celebrate Father's Day for eternity with him, and uh, but but uh, on days like today, I start missing him. So that's that's why that's why I shave my goatee. Believe it or not, uh, I miss him because when if, if I shave my goatee and put my glasses on, I look just like him. And so I, I I was needing to see him, so I shaved yesterday and looked in the mirror and said, "There you are." And uh, so Happy Father's Day to Tom Butler, one of the greatest men to ever walk the planet, and. Uh, uh, I sure miss him today, but I am blessed to be able to celebrate with all of you, and uh, and so we're going to have a good time. We're going to talk today, uh, we're going to start uh, part one of a three-part series called The Prayer of Love. It's not a traditional Father's Day message, but I do think it's relevant because everything we do as a dad, whether it's uh, correcting, disciplining, affirming, teaching, raising up, no matter what we do for our children and for our families, it needs to be done in the spirit of love. And unfortunately, I know there I have days that it's not done in the spirit of love, and the Lord always works on us. Uh, but but uh, I'm telling you, this prayer is actually absolutely powerful, and we're going to dive into it here uh, momentarily. But I want to thank Becca and all those who volunteered for VBS this week. Uh, what a phenomenal job you guys did, and it was evident on the video. And I realize I am the last person standing between uh, kid, these kids and Father's Day lunch. So it's a very precarious place to be. So we're going to speed along here pretty quick. Uh, now we do have coloring for the kids. Now adults, you don't get to color. You got to listen to me. So, so uh, you can save your coloring for your own time, right? Uh, but we're going to read today from uh, the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians. And uh, this is actually going to be the prayer uh, that we're going to learn for the, for the next three weeks, we're going to dissect this passage. Before we get into it, let's pray real quick. Father, we thank you so much because you are love. You're not just the author of love. You are love. And that, that the love that we experience, not only from you, but from our loved one, is an extension of you. Lord, I pray that this prayer and that these messages uh, help to liberate some folks, change some folks, uh, uh, help us to expand our love and in greater capacity uh, for your kingdom and for your namesake. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, you know, a lot of folks within the community call me the porch pastor because, or, or uh, call me a few other things, too, that we can't repeat. But, but uh, the porch pastor, or they know me as Huggy Dave. If I'm out for a walk, people are always, I get to hug on folks and love on folks. Um, and, and so a lot of people will, will talk to me about, all the various ways that I try to love on the community. Uh, I used to not be that way. 
there, there was a time that I was very much full of resentment, uh, full of uh, anger, uh, uh, held, held grudges. I didn't re- grudges I didn't even realize I was holding. The Lord showed me. Uh, I was holding grudges. Liberate me and help in Philippians that you almost skip over. Uh, helped liberate me and helped change me and helped, helped teach me to love people that I never thought I could love. Uh, helped me to love people that, that some of my early upbringing told me not to love. Uh, helped me to love people who had done some horrible things to my family because of this, this prayer. And, and, and the Lord had me camped on it for, for probably two years of my life. And it absolutely changed who I was and, and, and who I was able to be. And so uh, we're going to dive into it. So let's, let's go ahead and pray, or let's go ahead and read it. Uh, verse, starting with verse 9 of chapter 1 of Philippians. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more, in knowledge and in all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Now, first of all, this is a prayer, right? And, and, and you would almost skip over it because Philippians is chocked full of so much wonderful, deep, rich truth that this is just one of those opening. Yeah, Paul was very eloquent with the way he would open up some of his letters. And this almost kind of just falls in the shadow of that opening uh, until you really delve in and dissect what he's saying. First of all, it's a prayer. He's actually praying for the church at Philippi. Uh, that church was started actually in two households. The great church of Philippi was started in two households. When, when two, two households got converted, uh, they started in a home, and this is about 10 years later. The church had been around for about a decade, and Paul is writing them, and he's saying this prayer to them. Now, I think it's safe, even though he's writing this prayer to them, I think that we can apply it to our own life. And if Paul is praying it for us, if he's praying it, let's just get personal. If he is praying it for me, then maybe I should pray it for me as well. And that's what the Lord had me do on a daily basis for two years. I recited this as part of my morning prayer time, uh, except I personalized it. I figured Paul wouldn't get too mad, so we're going to personalize it. So, so for the sake of what we're going to do over the next three, three weeks, we're going to very much make it about us. We're going to personalize it and see what the Lord does. So I want everyone to read this with me, being personalized now. Philippians 1, 9 through 11, read it with me. And this I pray that my love may abound still more and more in knowledge and in all discernment, that I may approve the things that are excellent, that I may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, the reason why I wanted you to read it out loud, because I want you to get used to it. That's going to be your homework assignment for the next three weeks and however long God may have you do it. Uh, I began to revisit this about a month ago as I began to prepare uh, for these three weeks. I began to pray this again in my life, and it just came to life all the more. So this is a prayer, a wonderful prayer to be prayed, okay? So what we're going to talk about today is just this first part, and this I pray that my love may abound still more and more in knowledge and in all discernment. This is how your prayer, your love is going to begin to grow, okay? First of all, 
let's, let's look at this first part. And this I pray that my love may abound. Everyone say abounding love. First of all, what is love? What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Thank you, someone. Thank you. Who laughed at that? Thank you. The book of 1 John chapter 4 says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. Isn't it absolutely amazing that the creator and author of all the universe and the creator and author of life would be so intrinsically attached to his creation and to humanity that he would absolutely put within the very fiber of our genetic emotional makeup the ability to experience him. Has anyone in this room ever experienced love? Have you ever loved someone or felt loves from someone? I think just about every human being on the planet could probably say that they have either loved something or felt love from something. Well, the Bible says that God is love. That means that if you have felt love, experienced love, if you have loved someone or, or been loved, you have ex experienced God. So even the most chiseled, stern atheist that would swear up and down that God doesn't exist, if they love something or have felt love, they've still encountered God, whether they realize it or not. That's why some, some of my friends that I've met who, who say that they're atheist or possibly even agnostic, a lot of people start getting offended at that within the church. I don't, I don't worry about it. I, I, the, the first thing I ask them is, is there someone that you love? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I love my wife. Or yeah, absolutely, I've, my, my parents, I, I love my parents. Awesome. Over the next few weeks, dwell on that feeling. Dwell on that inspiration. Dwell on that emotion. Why do I tell them that? Because if they're dwelling on that, they're dwelling on God, whether they realize it or not. God loves us so much and thinks of us so much that he would allow us in our very nature to have the ability to experience him and all the things that we become attracted to and attached to. Isn't that wonderful? Say, well, wait a minute, I don't know, but they don't even realize this, God. Well, do you have to realize that you're breathing in O2 to breathe? Do you have to be aware that you're drinking down hydrogen and, ox and oxygen when you take a drink of water? No, you just take a breath or you take a sip of water because it's something that's necessary and it's something that's extremely natural. The same thing with love. So in the, one of the most natural ways that we can express something, God, God's alive and well in it. So God is love. And yet this love, so if you've experienced love, you have encountered and experienced God. And yet Paul is praying, hey, I'm praying that your love, that your experience of God can abound. Anyone know what the word abound means? It means to grow, to expand. So love is actually meant to expand. Whatever capacity you love today, the intention of this prayer is so tomorrow your capacity to love grows. However much you love tomorrow, the next day your love is supposed to expand past that so that your love is constantly outgrowing anything that you ever thought you were able to love. That's very liberating. And not only that, your experience with God expands. Why would it expand? Because that's what God does. The Bible says that he is able to exceedingly and abundantly 
meet all of our needs and, and all of our requests and all of our hopes and all of our needs and all of our dreams exceedingly and abundantly. He is a God that exceeds himself. He's a God that, that sets a mark and then tops it. If he's good to you today, he's going to be better for you tomorrow. If he's better for you tomorrow, he's going to be even greater next week. However, he blessed you last year, he's going to bless you even more this year. Because he's a God that exceeds him. He expands. Look at the whole universe that he created. What is it doing every second? It's expanding. That's what God does. God expands. If God is love, that means that love expands. There is a great need in this world for there to be some abounding love, some boundless love. Love that pushes past any expectation that we have. Love that pushes past our little box that we create. All of our barriers, all of our walls, we need love to overflow everything. Matter of fact, it's so relevant. Jesus said, by this will all men know that you belong to me, that you're my disciples. Not by how often you attend church, not by how many Bible studies you attend, not by how many scriptures you've memorized, how many hours a day you pray, how, how many uh, 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 theology degrees you may have. But he said, no, this is how men will know that you belong to me by the love you have one for another. So the whole key identifier to the fact that you belong to Christ is your ability and capacity to love. So this I pray that my love can grow more and more. This prayer will allow you to love those you have previously had difficult loving, difficulty loving, and it will allow you to expand your heart. So there's two different soils that we're gonna plant love in today so that it can grow. So I want you to, to imagine two big planters, two big giant pots full of fertile soil on either side of the stage here, okay? The first one is this, knowledge. I pray that your love can grow more and more in knowledge. Proverbs chapter one says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that it's impossible to please God without faith, and we can't even come to God unless we first believe that he exists. God is at the root of every ounce of knowledge that we can attain. I don't care what kind of knowledge it is, whether it's biology, mathematics, biblical knowledge, historical knowledge, archaeological knowledge, social knowledge, whatever type of knowledge you can attain, God is ultimately at the core of it. Our whole universe exists within him. Bob talked about it, that there's really no new discoveries. It may be new to us, but God actually put it there eons ago for us to discover. One of the, one of the greatest things that ever happened to me by the time I got to college, I struggled with math all through my school career until I got to college. And then I started nailing A's in math, of all things. Uh, and that's because it dawned on me that God created the whole universe via mathematics. And that if I was studying mathematics, if I could understand mathematics, I could understand a portion of God. And, and when knowledge started opening up to me that, that I wasn't just learning about reading, writing, arithmetic, but I was actually learning about the essence of God. If you study linguistics, languages, or music, you're actually studying vibration, sound waves. Vibration is ultimately energy. You're just studying energy ultimately. Different manifestations of energy, which ultimately leads you back to God. Energy can neither be created nor destroyed, right? Sounds like God to me. 
He has no beginning, no ending, can be neither created nor destroyed. So ultimately, all knowledge comes from God. So, so if your love is going to grow, first of all, it will grow in knowledge. Ultimately, knowledge is going to lead you back to God. So, so your understanding and knowledge, your knowledge of God is going to begin to expand. God is actually going to start outgrowing your idea of who he is. And at times, that's going to become unsettling because our, our particular denominations didn't teach us how to handle that. And our little theological concepts didn't teach us how to contain this infinite God. That's why it always, it always amuses me when I see theologians try to debate each other about God and, and their interpretation of the word and, and, and all this stuff. Because here we are, mere mortal, finite minds trying to describe and debate an infinite God. How crazy is that? As your, as your reality of God begins to expand and your knowledge of God begins to expand, uh, we realize that our interpretations become very limiting. Our finite minds can't fully describe an infinite God. God begins to expand and become bigger than we ever imagined. You start realizing that God is not a Christian. God is not a Jew. God is not a Muslim. God is not a Buddhist. God is not a Democrat. He's not a Republican. He's not even a capitalist. He's not even a socialist. He's not a communist. He's nothing that we could try to stick a label on. We're really good about labeling things on this planet, and we try to label God, and then we start debating about those labels. There's an old Zen proverb that says, the finger that points to the moon is not the moon. It merely just points you to the moon. That's really all a label is. The word God ultimately is a label. So the word God is not even God. He's not even a he. He's not even a she. These are just labels that we use to try to describe what's going on with him. Yet we also see elements of him manifested in the masculine and in the feminine because we are all made in the image of God. So there's things about us and, and, and our gender that are actually correlate right with God. Yet that's not the wholeness of God. As our knowledge of God grows, the knowledge of who you are in him begins to grow. Think about that. The knowledge of who you are in God begins to grow. We have done Christians a bad service for a number of years within the church by, by purporting this constant concept of, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And if it weren't for, yeah, I, I remember, I don't know how it was in y'all's churches. When, when I was growing up, we used to have testimony service. Y'all, any of y'all remember testimony service? You know, in the middle, there you go. In the middle of church, you know, you always get a, anyone have a testimony? Someone would stand up and praise God for something that he did that week. And it was supposed to be uplifting and edifying. And usually it was Hazel Gay would stand up. And when she'd stand up, well, you just better be ready to get discouraged. Because <laughs> she would just start, I just want to thank God that I'm here today because, you know, I just, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I don't deserve anything that he has. I didn't deserve his love, but he went to the cross anyway. And just after a while, you're thinking, would you please accept his love? Please accept his love. You know, uh, seven and a half years ago, Julie and I had uh, the honor of flying to Taiwan and adopting Lily. And she is like the rock star of our house, and, and couldn't be any more my daughter than Sophia is. I mean, she is our daughter. It would be absolutely ridiculous for Lily to come to me 
and say, Dad, I know I don't really deserve your love, and, you know, because of your goodness and your grace, you hopped on that plane and came over to Taiwan and got me out of that. I didn't deserve for you to do it, but, but because of your mercy and grace, and I know, I know I'm biologically not yours, but could I just, could you maybe, even though I don't deserve it, could you maybe make me a sandwich? And yet that's, that's the way many Christians, and we've really just theologically kind of purported that on the church for a number of years. No, you are a child of God. You are redeemed. Sure, we're all sinners saved by grace, but that's the, that's the whole trick of it, you know? <laughs> that's the whole point of it. We couldn't do anything to save ourselves, so he saved us and joyfully saved us. Now we can come boldly before the throne. Your, your knowledge of who you are starts expanding. One of the most powerful things that ever happened to me was about six years ago. It was about a month after my brother had passed away. I, was, I, I was, felt so heavy uh, in my heart, and I was praying one day. Uh, it was at the end of a work day. I was in my office, and I just remember taking a few minutes and was, was praying all the things that I thought were, would be good prayers. Lord, make me a better husband. Make me a better dad. Make me a better uh, 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 son, make me a better disciple, help me to be a better preacher of the gospel, help me to be a better, it was just, I was asking him to help me to, to improve and be a better this and that, and with all my heart, I felt like the Lord said, no, no, those are things that you're supposed to pray, isn't it? What do you mean, no? And I felt like the Lord told me, Dave, I have made you everything you're supposed to be. I didn't make you complete or incomplete. I made you exactly who you're supposed to be, how you're supposed to be, and you're empowered to be that via the Holy Spirit. So the question isn't whether or not I will make you be anything better. I've already made you the best version of you you can be. Now the question is, when are you going to start acting the way that I've made you? That was liberating for me. And from there, it was a big journey of discovering who I am in Christ. I'm not perfect, I'm not there, I'm still discovering, but I've come a long way. And so your love can expand, because I was able to love him, and my knowledge of him began to expand and outgrow all these little fences that were put up as, when I was a child, and, and because my knowledge of who I was in him began to, to grow, my love for myself began to grow, and when I could learn to love myself more, I could learn to start loving my neighbors more, because you're supposed to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Show me someone who is absolutely rude and mean and hateful to their neighbors, and I'm going to show you someone who hates themselves. And so, so if, if your knowledge of who he is expands, and your knowledge of who you are in him expands, you're going to be able to love him even more. You're going to love yourself even more, which is going to result in you being able to love everyone else. Why? Because you realize that everyone else is created to be the greatest version of them that they could be, and who couldn't help but love you. So your love begins to expand in that capacity and knowledge. Whew, we're going to wrap up really quick. Verse, continue verse 9. And this I pray that my love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. Discernment. The word discernment actually means understanding. I pray that my love can grow in understanding. To wrap up, this, this will answer the age-old question of how is it that God can love mass murderers? How can God love human traffickers? How can God 
love, still love spouse beaters and child molesters and cheaters and liars and every other type of wretched uh, soul on the planet? How could he love the Adolf Hitlers and the Osama bin Ladens and Muammar Gaddafis and all these Joseph Stalin and all these guys that, that just did so much harm on this planet? How is it that God could still love someone like that? It's because he understands. Doesn't mean that he approves of sin. Doesn't mean he approves of the crime. But he understands because God understands where, the, where things went wrong in their life. Where they were thwarted, where they were wounded, where, where the track derailed, where the wheels shot off. How is it that God could love us when we were still sinners? Because he understood. Doesn't mean he approved. But if you can understand someone, if I can understand you, I can learn to love you. Julie and I have been able to, to, to be blessed to, to, to have dinner with so many people within this community that are from all walks of life. And I cherish those times because it gives me a chance to sit down and learn to understand where they're coming from. And, and, and I've learned if I, can, if I can just understand what your story is, if I can understand where you've been in life, then I can look past all the differences and even some of the crimes, and I can love you. I can love the essence that is you. Just to wrap up real quick, uh, several weeks back, I told the story of someone who had done lots of harm to my family. Uh, he was once a part of my family via marriage. And, and went on, just did a lot of harm, a lot of harm, and is actually now serving time. Uh, he, will, he will probably be in his late 70s if he survives prison. And, and one of the crimes committed on, on multiple, uh, to multiple victims was uh, child molestation. And, and this person, if I have ever hated someone in my life and dealt with hatred in my life, it was toward this person. I'm going to be very transparent. To the point, I think I shared this a few months ago, it was a Wednesday night church service, and I wound up, uh, I couldn't even tell you what was preached that night, but I could tell you, I sat there in the middle of church years ago trying to figure out how I could take this guy out, literally, and not get caught. How horrible in a dark place had I gotten into? Horrible. And yet about the time that he was going to trial, Many years later, I hadn't seen him in years. Uh, about the time that he was going to trial, the Lord told me, you know, I'm, I'm going to call you to pray for him, and I'm going to call you to love him. Even though you won't have contact for him, you're still going to pray and intercede for him. And I thought, Lord, how can I love him? How can I love him? I can love anyone, but I've not, I, I've not figured out how to love him. And it was this prayer that taught me, and I began to understand my love was growing in knowledge, but now it was going to grow in understanding. Because it turns out, in his life, uh, all the, the, the crimes that he had perpetrated, when he was a child, his dad did the same thing to him and his siblings. And I knew his dad. His dad was actually an evangelist. How messed up would that make you? Your dad's out on Sunday preaching the gospel and then coming home during the week doing things that should have never been done to you. And not only that, the grandfather had started the whole thing off with the dad and with the grandkids. 
So three generations of all of this being derailed. And this guy is ultimately paying the price for the sins of three generations. Broke my heart. Doesn't mean that I approved of what he had done. Doesn't mean that I think he should get out of prison. I mean, the justice system is set up and it's done its thing. But allowed me to understand. And my heart not only breaks for the victims, but it, but it broke for him. That somewhere he would be so wounded. And that God's trying desperately to get a hold of them. So there's not a week that doesn't go by that I don't pray for them. That God would get a hold of them right in prison. And he may already have. But understanding. If there's someone in your life that you're having a hard time loving, go ahead and stand. We're going to wrap up. That makes everyone more comfortable when I have you stand, right? Uh, and if the musicians want to come, that makes you doubly comfortable. If there's someone in your life you're having a hard time loving, learn what their story is. Understand what makes them tick. Because if we can understand each other, we can learn to love each other. So this is your homework assignment. You got homework. It's summertime, but you still got homework. This is your homework assignment this week. Every day, I want you to pray this prayer. Personalize it. Pray this prayer. If you want to pray it exactly the way I had it on the screen, it's the uh, New King James Version. But you can, you can do it however you want. But pray this prayer. Where are we at? There we are. Personalize it. And then take a few minutes and meditate and think about what that first part means, to let your love grow more and more in knowledge and in understanding. If anyone needs prayer today, don't run off after service. You know, we'll, we'll be setting stuff up, but we do have treats. We do have coffee and tea. But don't run off. Come, come see me or come see someone. It would be our honor to be able to pray for you today and to learn to help you, help you learn to love in a greater way. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. We pray that you expand our love so that we can reflect more of you to a lost and dying world so that your kingdom can shine brighter in the darkest of days and help us just to love you in a greater way. We love you today. In Jesus' name, everyone say amen.